Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Wrench. I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July weekend and safe and uh, got to celebrate in style. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the winner of our weekly higher or lower game in the Wrenchway mobile app. This week was sponsored by Diesel Laptops. Congratulations to Fonda DeCola, a second week in a row that Fonda wins our uh, higher or lower game. With that, Fonda wins another $100 Amazon gift card. She had a high score of 29. Uh, She did also get a chance at winning our Queen of Hearts pot, but unfortunately did not turn over the Queen of Hearts. So the pot increases yet again to $1,500. This week for our featured topic, we give a sneak peek at our latest product launching very soon called Reverse Job Posts. Be sure to go check that out and let us know in the app if you think this will be a helpful tool for technicians to use. We're really, really excited about it and think you're really going to like it as well. So last week on the podcast, we focused on technician training. And this week, we kind of switched gears and we're talking more on the management training side. And to explore this topic, I had the pleasure of talking with Chuck Searles, who's the president of AMI, otherwise known as the Automotive Management Institute. And he really had a lot of great, great feedback, a lot of great tips uh, about management. We talked about leadership in shops, maybe the struggles that we have in management and as leaders, uh, looked at what traits are in a strong leader, what makes for a good leader. And we talked about just a variety of different ways to improve management styles and, and how does a shop uh, offer management or leadership training for managers and something that I, I personally feel like there's a lot of value in, and I think there's a lot of shops that could really use Chuck's advice here. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. I always enjoy my time talking with Chuck, and uh, I think you'll see all of that come through and, and look forward to uh, hearing your feedback on this episode. Have a great week. Hi, and welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. Today, I am elated, really excited to have my friend Chuck Searles from Automotive Management Institute, uh, otherwise known as AMI. Uh, Chuck is the president of AMI and uh, really influential throughout the industry, has a really cool background, and it's always a pleasure to talk with Chuck. So how are you, Chuck? I am great. And and with that introduction, Jay, I got to tell you, you you set the bar pretty high. I hope I can live up to it. (laughs) You always live up to it. You're, uh, You're great for the industry. You're great for AMI. Uh, I, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you, got to spend some time with you in Florida a month or so ago, uh, probably a little bit longer than that, but uh, but really enjoyed my time uh, uh, being able to, to get to know you and excited to have you on the podcast finally. Uh, we were talking about that prior to hopping on the podcast that uh, probably should have happened earlier. So apologies from our end on, on not getting you on earlier. None necessary. I'm really happy to be here. And, and, uh, you, you are one of my favorite people in the industry. I don't, you know, I know it's going to spill your head and you won't be able to get out the door, uh, but, but it's true. And, and actually, to tell you the truth, Wrench, Wrenchway and Finder Wrench are, are two of my favorite businesses in the industry as well. I think it's a, it's a really great mission. We appreciate that. And, and we appreciate everything that AMI does. Uh, why don't we start with that? How, how, or what is it that you do at AMI? And then we'll kind of, we'll dive into what AMI is after that, if that's okay with you. Sure, sure. So we offer accreditation uh, of training material throughout the, the the automotive industry, both on the service, aka mechanical side, and on the collision side. Uh, so if you're at a conference and you take training, um, most likely it probably it, it has AMI accreditation. You can receive credit, and it's like, well, what's the credit for? Well, you can use that credit towards a, a portable accreditation or degree, if you will. Uh, I use that term loosely. Um, that you can carry around with. Through the app, the industry, so you can be an accredited manager or uh, even shop foreman, something like that. We focus a lot on soft skills, which is sorely needed in our industry. Uh, you and I have had conversations about that, and I, 
I firmly believe that could help us out so much as an industry. And we're, we're going to talk a lot about that today with the management training and maybe what opportunities are out there and, and, and just trying to kind of figure out how we, how we get some of that leadership or some of that management and leadership training uh, into our businesses. So uh, talk about how, how'd you get into this crazy world? How'd you get into this business? Oh my gosh. So like, like many high schoolers, I was sort of floundering and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I actually sat in on a, uh, a, a recruiter bit uh, from Universal Technical Institute, UTI. And they said, wow, there's going to be a technician shortage. I'm like a technician. What the heck is that? Um, <laughs> I knew I, I, I liked to work with my hands. I was, I, I did woodwork and mechanical stuff. You know, my, my dad was kind of a, a jack of all trades, master of some. So I picked up a lot of those skills along the way. But uh, I said, no, I think I can work on cars. I could do this. And uh, went to UTI and, and actually got a degree and um, went out into the field and worked as, as an auto tech for about 10 years, give or take, and then was picked up by a, a corporate entity and uh, worked <laughs> in training for the better part of 19 years and, um, and then came to AMI. It, it's such a cool story because one, you... Where did where did you grow up with at this? This is always fascinating <laughs> to me. I actually grew up on the north slope of Alaska, so born in Alaska, and uh, my father was an educator. So we spent a lot of the time up above uh, the Arctic Circle uh, in those little tiny villages that you've never heard of, like Anatubic Pass and Barrow and Point Hope, um, where uh, there's like 500 people. So you you had a UTI recruiter in Alaska, way way out there. Yes, in Fairbanks, you bet. I graduated high school there in Fairbanks, and uh, a, a UTI recruiter was 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 in, and uh, the the rest is history, I suppose. But yeah. So where where did you go to UTI at? Down in Phoenix. I, I think at the time there was only one campus because you know I'm uh, been in the industry a, a couple of decades, <laughs> maybe three, and um, yeah, the, it was down in Phoenix. So uh, went went down there from from small town to the big city and. Uh, rode a bicycle to school. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was an experience for sure. Talk about a change in climate, right? Like going from oh my uh, like Alaska to, to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It was, it was something else. And then I actually went back to Alaska to, uh, to start the career. My, my original thought was that I was going to work in, in, uh, in the heavy side of the industry on diesels, but nobody wants to hire a kid with no experience, at least at yeah. the time. I think that tune may have changed now, but, uh, <laughs> but at the time it was no. So I took my, my resume as, as it were, and walked over to a local dealership and was hired on the spot. And so you, you had that dealership life, uh, for, for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. and how, how did you like being a technician? Uh, obviously your, your, your career transitioned, but how, how did you like being a tech? Okay. I loved being a technician and, and, and people are going to say, ah, he's so full of it. That, that is not the case. I, I actually loved being a tech. I, I loved, I loved being able to start and finish something and beat the book time and make the customer happy at the same time. Um, I progressed into kind of a shop foreman role too. Cause I like talking to people. And uh, I think all, all the while in the back of my head, I knew this wasn't going to be where the journey ended. Um, I, I worked with guys, you know, that, that had been in the in the field for 40 plus years and they were kind of slowing down and there really wasn't a place for them at that point. Um, so I kind of said, you know, there, there, there's probably a little more uh, that I need to explore in the way of trajectory. Yeah. And I think that's that's a common thought process from a lot of techs, right? Like I started off as a tech and I had that same same kind of thought process. Uh, you know, I think at the time I grew up in a small town as well, and I didn't really see opportunities that were outside of my little hometown, you know, and then when you get out and you see all of the opportunity that's out there, it really kind of broadens your horizons and gets you to think maybe a little bit more big picture. And that's something that I think as we dive into this subject about what AMI does and, and how impactful AMI can be, it gives you a little bit of a path uh, to go from, you know, from from if you've if you're starting as a tech or even if you're starting as a loop tech and you want to work your way up or whatever it is, there are opportunities to educate yourself and to get better and and really uh, hone in those soft skills. So many technicians are so great at what you were talking about with 
you know, here's the problem, fix the problem, move on to the next one. And then going into maybe a management role or a leadership role kind of changes that, um, that dynamic, right? It's a different job altogether. And I think oftentimes in a shop, whether it's a dealership or an independent, um, you'll take somebody that is really, really good at the role that they're in right now. You're trying to reward them. You want to, you want to take care of them. So then you promote them and then say, here you go. You were really good at this last thing. Be really good at this thing. And then when that person gets in that seat, they're like, um, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Because oftentimes they're backfilling someone that's gone. So, so all the tribal knowledge that's, that's accumulated in that position, it walked out the door. So, so now you're, you're, you're on your own and, and oftentimes you have targets and goals you have to meet and it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, uh, you have to swim really fast or you sink. Um, and, and, and I'll jump up on the soapbox real quick and then I'll, yes, I promise please, I'll jump off, please, but, please. but, but, there, there is a, a measurable difference um, in in folks that have a good career path in the amount of soft skills they have. Technical skills get you. I mean, you can make a ton of money with technical skills. Yes. But when you look at the tenure of folks with good technical skills and a blend of soft skills, they tend to be more successful. They tend to have longer tenure. Um, and I think a, a common misconception is that, oh, well, well, leaders are born that way. Are some? Yeah, absolutely. There are, there are born leaders. It's, it, it can be a trait. But, but leadership is also a skill, and it can be taught. I mean, we've all had mentors, right? And, yeah. and that's where you sort of pick up the things that you want to do. And I guess, alternatively, you see the things that you never, ever want to repeat. It's like, man, I will <laughs> never be that guy because um, I've had those two. Uh, but but yeah, you, you can learn leadership. You can learn it. And, and I, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but, but different, different personality styles require different leadership skill sets. And that is super, super important. But again, you can learn it. And, and with soft skills, it really greatly increases your chance of success in any industry, really. Yeah. And okay, so box off. No, I, you know what though, like this is such an important topic and, and something that I think AMI does such a great job with in terms of being able to bring some of that to the forefront, right. And, and make it a focus because we're really good as an, as an industry at that technical training. I feel like, I think there's an abundance of technical training out there for somebody that wants to really immerse themselves in that side of the business uh, and to me, that foundationally sets that 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 technical foundation is so important to me. Uh, and even for me, who uh, I you know started as a tech, not nearly as good a tech as you were, uh, but I uh, <laughs> for uh, for those uh, listening, not watching, uh, Chuck just rolled his eyes at me. But I can say that as a fact because I was not a good tech. Uh, but what I what I'll say is that just having that technical experience and that technical background, it, it opens up so many more conversations. It allows you to, to connect with others in the industry, I think, in a way that you you just wouldn't be able to if you don't have that technical knowledge. So I, I think that's big. But then I think the step that we're missing a lot of times is that next step. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, obviously, leadership in shops is a really, really hot topic. Um, you know, I think as we progress as an industry, as we mature as an industry, this is becoming even more of a hot topic. Uh, but why do you think so many shops struggle with kind of management and, and leadership in general? I, I think we, we, we've already kind of covered this in brief, but, but oftentimes the, the leadership role is a reward uh, for 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 good tenure or being a good technician and so on, um, so so there are some shops where you just sort of move up as as the there's vacancy and you may not have any leadership skills. Then you kind of have to figure it out on your own. And and there are those that that are good at at taking cues and learning, and then there aren't. Um, gosh, can I talk pay? I, I yeah. think I can, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, 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 I've said it once and I'll say it a thousand times. Flat rate is a crutch for bad management. What? Flat rate <laughs> is a crutch for bad management. And, and why? Because as a manager, 
you don't have to, you, you don't have to motivate your people. Flat rate motivates the technician all by itself. You got to be your own little manager. Cause if you stand around and you're not a go-getter, you're not going to make any cash. So that takes that burden off of the manager. And now they can just focus on, you know, the financials or whatever else they, they, they have to do. Um, so there's that aspect too. Uh, but I think as, as more shops go salary or have kind of a, a, a combined pay plan, some of that burden is coming back onto the manager. And now you have to figure out how to motivate your people. And that is, that's, that's not an easy thing because everybody has different objectives, different thoughts, and so on. Um, there's a golden rule of leadership, right? And the golden rule is you, you treat others as you would expect to be treated, but that's not how to do it. And you're going, what? No, it's, it's the platinum rule. The, plat- the platinum rule of leadership is that you need to manage people the way that they need to be managed. Mm. Lead them the way they need to be led because each person is a little bit different and you can't, one size does not fit all guys. I'm telling you, yeah. it does not. Well, and, and you and I talked about this earlier uh, off, off the show, but there's not many industries that I'll say that have as many unique personalities as what a shop does. Right. And, and that's, to me, it's so funny because I think we as an industry talk a lot about technicians and we put them in one box and we say, they're all this person. And, and when in reality, if you're at a shop, you couldn't have more differentiating personalities. I mean, it, it can be a, a ton of work to manage the different personalities and and not only from the management side, but from the technician side too, of like, okay, how do I work with this person? You know, if you have just a completely different mindset and a completely different personality, um, which I think I've been around uh, a lot of different businesses. I think shops have maybe the most unique spread of, of, of personalities and if you're not having, if you're not getting that education or that training, or maybe have that that ability to identify different personalities and manage to their strengths, um, I, it can be it can be a handful. I mean that that that's a it's a tough job. Yeah, you bet. And you said a key word there: managing to strengths. That's a that's a big one. Um, and then how do you identify those strengths, right? Um, you, you can, as a manager or or a fellow technician, you can sort of sit back and and watch and try and figure it out. But um, as a boss, I will tell you, as a leader, one of the things I found most useful is is one on one time, um, and and that's that's not just necessarily oh let's go over your numbers and see how you're doing business wise. Let's just sit down and talk, and you can kind of figure out what makes a person tick. You know what their fears are, what their strengths are, and and then you can sort of bolster them in the areas that they're weak uh, with other parts of the team, or use their strengths uh, where the team is weak. It, it, it's it's very symbiotic. Um, yeah, and shop personalities. I, I chuckle about that. I've been in shops where where you've got ten alpha wolves running running around the shop, and it is <laughs> uh, as as a as a manager, I think it'd be pretty tough um, if you didn't take the time to get to know your people. Well, you uh, you nailed that, in my opinion, in terms of that one on one relationship is so important because if if you're trying to address an entire shop. And again, you're trying to put them all in one bucket. You're, you're going to get disappointed, right? But if you get to know them on a personal level, and even from the standpoint of knowing if something's not going right in their personal life, right? And, and being able to identify, hey, something you've been really good up until this point. And I talk to shops about this all the time where you've been really good up until this point, And then something fell off a cliff. What what happened? And and without that personal relationship, it's really hard to have that conversation. Uh, but having those one-on-one conversations, I think, help you identify things that happen like that uh, and then be able to talk about it. And I think those are two really, really huge, huge things for you managers out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Trust Trust is key. Trust is key because people, people I think by nature, don't want to be vulnerable. And um, if, if you trust someone and you feel you can be, you can, you can, you can tell them, Hey, this is what's going on in my personal life. And this is affecting my work. And then perhaps as the boss, as the leader, the manager, whoever you happen to be, whatever role you want to play, um, you can help. And, and man, oh man, when, when you, when you help someone through a personal crisis or a work crisis, whatever it happens to be, whatever that situation is, you, you've gained an ally and, and now you've got someone on your side and you're on your team and, and boy, oh boy, team is, that's, that's, that's strong. That's strong. You can, you can move mountains, literally. 
Would you have advice for any of the introverts that are out there that maybe don't like having those conversations and don't like, you, you know, I, I think that's a, it's really easy for somebody that's an extrovert to say, Hey, yeah, go have these conversations. But then if, if you're somebody that just doesn't like those conversations, how, how, uh, how do you handle that? No doubt that, that, that's a, that's a great question, Jay. Um, believe it or not, believe it or not, I was an introvert, was an introvert. Um, going through grade school, high school, and everything else, I was scared to death. I was scared to death uh, to talk to people, um, get up in front of a group, forget it. I probably would have had a heart attack. Um, I got I got a job right out of high school um, as a tour guide in a, in a Goldridge, and you can look that up if you don't know what it is. But it, it yeah, it, it's it's an Alaska thing, um, and uh, led groups of, of, of tourists, about 50, 50 people, and, and you take questions and lead them around and, and talk to them. So that was kind of like a, a, a swim or sink moment, right? I think there's an easier way to do that. And, and that is actually through um, simple training, really. Uh, th- there's training out there that you can take. It says, hey, he- here, here's a way to be a little more confident when you speak. Here's a way to feel a little more comfortable speaking to people. And there are even books on the, on the topic. And, and education, I think, is key there. Um, that and practice. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. And you may not want to, but 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 when you jump out of the box, uh, doors open. That's for sure. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I think I was a little bit like you, right? Where it, it's kind of weird to say it now, but I was very much an introvert uh, growing up. And and I think it's still there's there's days where I'm like, I don't really feel like talking to a lot of people. And, it, you know, you kind of have to force yourself to. But uh, I, I think that's the funny part of you know, I think if somebody were to meet me, it would be like, no way that guy's an introvert. And, uh, but like, there's times where I, I definitely like having my alone time or being able to, uh, to work on a project and, and have that technician mentality where you can kind of sit back and work on a problem and, and, uh, not talk to anybody. Get it, get it figured out on your own. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, there, there are just a ton of, of, of books and, 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 Training videos, I mean, simple clips, all kinds of stuff. Vines, right? Isn't that what the kids call them? Vines, yeah. short videos. <laughs> uh, but but some involve things like meditation, um, uh, speaking to yourself in a mirror, you name it. There, there's a ton of topics out there, but I think it's just practice, really. Find find what's comfortable for you and then practice it. Well, lots of good podcasts, too. I know uh, Karn Capriato's podcast, you've been on that. I've been on his. It's, it's amazing. He has a lot of really, really good uh, management podcasts, uh, subjects that are the lead of podcasts. And I, I, uh, I give him a lot of credit cause he does a lot of really good stuff there as well. Carm is awesome. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, so on this topic, one of the things that we asked about, we asked our, our Wrenchway insiders, do you think your manager has the right skills and training to lead different personalities in the shop? I was actually a little bit surprised by the results. Uh, 62% said yes, 38% said no. So that's a that's a good sign that we're, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. I'd be interested to see where that 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 uh that question would have landed maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, I don't know if that would have been uh quite quite as positive, but I think that that shows that some of the stuff that AMI is doing and some of the stuff that the industry is doing in general in educating people is working, right? People are uh learning to become better leaders and and really taking the, the leadership part of it as a serious piece of their, you know, their kind of their management repertoire, you have to be a leader and, and being, you know, kind of separating leadership from management, I, I think is a big deal, right? Uh, totally. Yeah. There, there, there are all kinds of funny little memes about, you know, the, the, the manager is, is whipping all the employees in front of them. Then the leader is literally, you know, leading the charge, but um, you, you bring actually a very, very good uh, point to the forefront here. And, and, and I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what happens with, with, with uh, a lot of shops out there is they're looking for technicians. We need to find technicians. There's a technician shortage and, and you and your businesses help find them, right? Uh, or you help the technician find the business. Well, that's, that's part of the struggle. Well, now guess what? You got them. Now you got to keep them, right? So 38% of the people in your survey, 38% of those, those insiders said, no, they don't do that. Well, guess what? The number one reason in almost every industry out there that people leave the job is because of your boss. 
38% of you aren't doing your job. How do you do it? You train. My gosh, if you don't have the skills, leadership is a skill. It can be taught. It can be learned. Find a mentor for heaven's sakes. I mean, we've all had them, right? Uh, again, you know, it's, it's that I want to do what that guy did or I don't. Um, but if you don't have that, go, go and get training. I mean, there's a ton of training out there. We, we, we host it. There's a bunch out there. Well, and I think it, it, when you attend these, the trainings or maybe a trade show, it's, it's not hard to find mentors. Like I think there's, especially in this business, if you go to a trade show and meet people, there are so many people that are willing to help you out. And, uh, you know, I think that's been something that I, I look at as something I want to do in my career, you know, moving forward is how do we help other people out with, you know, some of these, these issues. And cause I've had some of them myself, right. And being able to reach out to somebody that you've met at a conference or that you've met in some training somewhere, and even maybe an instructor that you've had that you can reach out and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this thing. Can we talk about it? That could be super impactful. I mean, hugely helpful. And even if it's just because you're in a rut and you need to talk to somebody, I think that is a, a the mentorship piece is, is huge. Part, part of the human condition, right? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 you, you, we need to talk. We need to get things off our chest and, and, and having that, that someone is, is really important. I have been very, very fortunate and have had some very, very good mentors, very, very good that have, have, have brought me under their wing and, and taught me the right way to do things. And, and that, that builds that trust, right? And you've got trust with your mentor. They trust you as a mentee. And then you can take those lessons and carry them over um, to your reports, the people that, uh, that work for you or you work with for that matter. So important. Yeah. I, I tell a story uh, quite a bit, but I've got um, one of my early mentors when I got in the diesel business uh, was a guy by the name of Charlie Varco. And he had given me, we were digging through some old stuff at the time. And he'd given me an old business card from when he first started with the company that we were working for. And uh, he passed away a probably, I don't know, three years ago. And I was going through some old stuff and I found that card. I had kept that card over the last, you know, whatever, 20 years. And so now it's framed in my office. And I, you know, I think when you talk about mentorship, that's the impact somebody can have on your life. Uh, you know, I'm trying to carry on his legacy and some of the stuff that he did because he was super impactful to me at a young age. And and you know, his his card uh, hangs in my office now. So it's a uh, it's that that sentimental stuff I think is big to me. But then being able to say, hey, you know what this this was a guy that meant a lot to me in my life. Uh, I think is big. So. Um, what uh, when we talk about leadership, what are some of the traits you see in a strong leader? And I know this is probably kind of a cliche question, but I think it's important to kind of dive into that. Like, what what it, what makes a good leader? Um, that's a really deep question. We probably don't have enough time to to, to go into the full the full <laughs> breadth of the answer because <laughs> a, a leader needs to be different for different people in different situations. Um, some of the qualities of a good leader right off the bat um, are, are openness and honesty, um, good listening skills. Uh, listening is key. You know, don't, don't be distracted when someone's trying to tell you something, get to the root of what it is they're, they're, they're trying to tell you, ask for clarification and so on. Um, the honesty bit uh, has to do with trust. And, you know, Number one, here, here's my number one tip. Here, here it comes. I'm going to spoil the whole thing. Like, <laughs> Get your pens and pencils note. ready. Yes. I, I keep, I keep this sticky note and I, hopefully it's not backwards, but it's, it's essentially it's D W I S Y W D do what you say you will do. Hmm. That is huge, man. Oh man. If you follow through with your promises, you build that trust, you build that trust. People will walk through fire for you. Seriously. Even if you don't do the right thing. Even if you don't do the right thing all the time and you, you, you prove that you're human. Oh my God. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay. And, and this is a really tough one because as society and especially in, in the, the technical fields, we expect perfection, everything, right? Oh my gosh. You know, fix it right the first time or else. Yeah. Um, but, but that can always happen. You know, I mean, if, if, if you're a tech and you're working on an intermittent problem and you take a stab at it and it's not fixed correctly, well, you, you, you did your best, you know, um, it's, it's important to create a culture 
Oh, I know this, this is, this is going to, people are going to be like, what? Um, <laughs> it's important to create a culture where, where failure is acceptable. Yeah. It's, it becomes a learning experience. It, it becomes a teaching tool. And that is so, so important. You know, if you're scared to death that you're, you're, you're not going to do something right, that affects your work quality and your, your, your productivity and everything else. Um, it, it comes back to that honesty piece, you know, be, be honest with your people. And, and, and it's, it, it's okay if something goes wrong, but that's, that's all right. As long as it doesn't happen again and again, uh, there, there is a, a line that needs to be drawn, right? It's not acceptable over and over and over, but um, we all make mistakes. It happens. Well, and I think that's especially important with our young people, right? And if you're leading young people in, you know, I think George Aaron's talks about this a lot where 42 or 41%, I think now of, techs leave the industry within the first two years of being in a shop, which is devastating, right? I mean, that's, that's terrible, but I see it all the time in shops where they'll bring in a young tech and in three months, they're not producing uh, hours and the shop is like, yep, on to the next one. And it's a little heartbreaking from some of the stuff that we're trying to do as in the industry in general, because we need to manage our expectations when when a young tech comes in. I think that has a lot to do with leadership and being able to look at it from the standpoint of, okay, there's a long-term ROI here if we get this person trained correctly, if we lead them correctly, if we motivate them correctly and get them some confidence. I mean, that these are not easy things to work on, whether it's a car, a truck, whatever it is, It's this is hard stuff. And these are smart people working on these things. And, you know, to expect somebody to come in and know how to do advanced diagnostics straight out of tech school, I think sometimes is setting ourselves up for unrealistic expectations. And and, and it's really hard for a young tech to gain confidence if all they're doing is getting that, that stick waved at them, you know, all the time. That, that can be demoralizing for a, for a young tech, right? You, you better believe it. Um coaching and mentoring are so important. And, and again, I was, I was very fortunate. I had, I had a couple of technicians that took me under their wing and, and, and taught me how to, you know, properly put a car in a lift and, 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 and use an air ratchet, things that they just don't, or didn't at least teach you in tech school um, that, that you kind of had to, had to figure out on your own. But um, yeah, man, that, that is heartbreaking. What a, what a horrible statistic. I mean, yeah. you, you got, we go back to our 30% something uh, uh, statistic that says that they're not being managed properly. And then, and then you've got another one that says you've got, you know, over 40% that are, that are leaving the industry in the first year. That is heartbreaking. Um, I think, I think that, that I'm, I'm going to get flamed for this one. Ooh, here, here it comes. <laughs> um, th- there is definitely an unrealistic expectation that's being set by some of the uh, the the post secondary training providers out there, and I think the OEMs are doing it too, um, where they have this this training program where now I've taken this kid who's fresh out of high school and I put him through a year and a half of training, and they walk into a shop and and they're they're a, a quasi master technician, right? Oh, they've had all the factory training or or whatever. They're prepped to be an ASE master because they've got two years of school experience. Come on, guys. I mean, yeah. you're not doing that technician any favors. Uh, and, and, and kids are impressionable. So they're going to be like, man, this is awesome. And then you, you walk into a shop full of those alpha wolves again. And they're just like, <laughs> man, oh, you, you want to learn something, kid? Well, why don't you teach me something, right? You're the one with the stripes. And, and that's the way it is. You know, that's the way it is. And, and, and hopefully, hopefully that kid is, is smart enough to, to, to downplay what they have and, and be able to, to pick up a, a mentor. But yeah. Again, I just think that that some of these these post secondaries are just they're 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 selling way too hard. And I, I understand they have to do what they have to do to get business, right? Because we're yeah. all trying to make money and we're all trying to survive. But the the expectation that someone that's fresh out of school is going to be a master diagnostician is just not realistic. It's not well, and that's where I think we as industry can help the schools out a lot too, right? Is if we can help them get enrollment up, and even for your local shop as you're listening to this, it it sounds kind of corny, but like we preach it all the time to get involved with your schools. That's why. So that a school doesn't have to oversell what it is that they're, what they're getting into or, you know, what a, when the kid comes in managing expectations of what their pay is going to be coming out of school. I think, you know, a lot of times I see it with young techs, they go through school, 
you know, get the discount for tools, buy a bunch of tools, and then they get in and then they're kind of disappointed in what their starting salary is. And, and even with the certifications going in, you know, I think that's, that's starting to fix itself a little bit, but uh, then you run back into the other problem where they start to get paid higher than the expectations are that you produce faster. And it's just kind of this vicious cycle that I think, you know, if, if we're able to help these schools get people in earlier uh, so we don't put so much pressure on the recruiters or the educators themselves to do the recruiting, um, you know, it makes their, their sales job a little bit easier and, and hopefully they can paint a, uh, a realistic picture when they go in to, to try and get these, these uh, students in the door. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, there are schools out there that are doing a really great job with either shadowing or, or mentoring programs where, where they, they actually partner with a, with a store, uh, an independent or a dealer, whatever it happens to be. And um, they take a student and put them into the shop and they, they work underneath a, a seasoned technician. Um, and that is, that's very, very wise, in my opinion. That way you don't wind up with the, uh, the, the problem that the, the college industry experiences and probably has for years where you've got a kid that goes through four or five years of schooling and they get out in the field and go, man, this sucks. <laughs> I can't do this job. And, and now you're, you're saddled with, you know, 50 to $150,000 in debt. And, and you're not even working in, in the field that you thought you were going to work in. Um, in trades, thankfully, you don't have to spend that much to, to get into it. But sometimes uh, they're, they're, these kids aren't cut out to do the job that they think they're going to do or, or the, the reality isn't what their expectation was. And the shadowing programs are huge. You know, they get that kid in there early and they say, oh, wow, this, this, is, this is the best thing ever. Or, man, no, this is not for me. This is not for me. And they just, they, they get out before they spend too much cash and have too much time invested. Well, and I think industry is getting far better at that now. I see it from both the dealership side and the independent side. I know ATI just uh, put out their apprenticeship program, right? And, uh, you know, I give them a lot of credit for, having that forward thinking and being able to kind of lay out parameters for what, you know, what an apprentice is, it, you know, it's, it is truly coming in and learning a craft and, uh, and not something that you're going to learn overnight. It takes time and, and takes some structure to be able to do that. Right. Absolutely. Shameless plug. Uh, AMI is actually part of that program. We're, we're involved uh, with providing soft skill training to the, uh, the mentor. So, you know, how do you have challenging conversations, what to do when your when your mentee doesn't agree with you or they're not doing what you what, what, what you think they should do? There's a right and a wrong way to, to mentor uh, and coach, really, uh, when you think about it, because they're kind of different things. Um, but it, it's it's important to build the confidence of, of your mentee. But at the same time, you don't want to give them free reign and just let them run amok. Uh, and there, there's certainly a right and a wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I I've stated this story before, but I, I always laugh because I went to go take over a shop um, and, and managing a shop, uh, this shop. And the owner of the, it was a dealership group. The owner said, oh yeah, so-and-so is so-and-so's mentor. And so I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, I'm just getting in, getting to know everybody. And I walk up and I said to the gentleman, I said, uh, so I hear your little Jimmy's mentor. And uh, he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, so they had a mentorship program where the mentors didn't even know that they were mentors. So uh, being able to, <laughs> to to talk to them and figure out like, okay, we, we, we need to break this down a little bit so that we know, you know, we can't just say we have a mentorship program. We actually have to have a mentorship program. We have to execute on that, you know, and it just, it blew my mind that they were so confident that they had a mentorship program. And then when I went and talked to them, went and talked to the mentor himself in this specific location, he's like, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Have, have a plan. Uh, maybe couldn't hurt. <laughs> and tell the people the plan. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, I think one of the things that's cool about, uh, about ATI's program is, is they, they, they do this on the other side too um, with shop owners is, is they, they figure out the best way to pair a mentor to a mentee uh, by personality type. Um, and, and, and if you have a shop that has enough, enough human capital to make that possible, that's really cool. Um, in some cases you may not, you know, if you've only got uh, two technicians, uh, th there may be one that, that is an absolute introvert. And this is not the person that is going to be the best at 
talking to a, to a new person, even if they're a great technician. So sometimes, training, especially again. if they're a great technician and I, you know, I call it the Wayne Gretzky or Michael Jordan effect, right? Where they, they're so good at what they do that it's hard for them to be patient enough or right, right. To kind of dumb it down to help somebody uh, get up. So I, I, yeah, I, I 100% agree there. Now, if if you're one of those shops out there that's maybe struggling and you're you're trying to figure out what are some opportunities to improve maybe my own management style or uh, maybe one of my direct reports that's a manager, uh, how, how does how does a shop go about offering management leadership training or management or leadership training to to managers? Um. I- Again, I'll go shameless plug here. I know our system yes. well. Um, and, and it's it's as simple usually as going out and finding a company that offers it and and finding the terms that you like. Uh, for for us, it's it's simple. It's a it's a free sign up. You hop onto the uh, amionline.org site and you link into the learning management system, create a profile, and then it's 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 nice because it's all a cart. You you browse for the training that, that you, you you need. Um, we do have a leadership uh, styles questionnaire where you can go through and actually figure out where you're weakest. Um, if you're honest, that's, that's important by the way, with any questionnaire, just be honest for heaven's yes. sakes. Don't, don't rate yourself high, you know, and everything it's like, yeah, okay. I, I know I could use some, some, some work here and that'll sort of uh, tee you into the section that you need to work on. And then it's just a matter of, of adding the training that you want uh, going through it. And, I think one of the biggest things uh, for anybody is is just being open to the suggestion of trying something, uh, and that's with any training, right? You, you, you take it, but uh, what, what's that old adage? You, you can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's that's a, a great adage for training because I can I can teach you all this stuff, but if you don't put it into practice and you don't try it and you don't learn from it, then it's not going to work. And, and honestly, your first try, it may not work. And the second one, it may not either, but you got to keep practicing it and practicing it and practicing it. And it gets easier. It gets better. Um, and that, that's the thing with learning too, actually. Um, if we don't use the things that we learn, th- there's a bell curve that shows that we drastically, drastically drop off our retention of the things that we have learned. And, and, and fantastic example, it's any e-learning you've ever taken that's mandatory, where it's a page turner and you just flip through it. You ask me 10 minutes later, what was said in that e-learning? I'm probably like, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, I thank God it's an open quiz and I can just keep taking it until I pass. But if you pay attention and, and it's truly something you're passionate about to start with, uh, you put it into practice and it will stick. It will stick. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I, to me, I think that goes for both the technical and the soft skill side, right? Like if, if you, yeah, if you get trained on something, it's hard, you know, unless you're doing it and actively, actively doing it, but um, that's, that's just the way the brain works. Yeah. Yeah. I, it really is. And I, it, it is, it, it's so hard. I think sometimes too, from the standpoint of maybe a technician taking management training and then saying, you know, kind of saying to themselves, well, I'm, I'm not really using this, but in reality you are, you're just using it in a different capacity from what your, what your expectation is. Right. So you, if you think, Hey, I'm going to take this management training, it's not going to apply until down the road. Um, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, but if you're teaching yourself those soft skills and learning how to implement them in your daily life, uh, that's the stuff that's, you can still practice right before you get into that seat. Bingo. Um, and, and that's, that's, that is very, very good point. And, and it goes with technical skill too. You, you learn all that cool stuff in, in, in tech school, but you, you're put in a, on a loop rack for the next two years. A lot of that good stuff that you had probably just gets flushed out your other ear because you have to have room for, for the other important things in your brain, like, you know, underwear before pants, um, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, but, but you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, that after you learn something, it, that you, you take it and you can apply it. And with, with leadership training, it doesn't necessarily have to be with someone that uh, is an employee of yours or someone that you're leading. I mean, you, you can, you can do that with your friends. You can, you can do it with, uh, with your kids, you name it, your spouse, you can practice this stuff. 
and and watch what happens. Now with your spouse, I can't guarantee the results uh, <laughs> because they're they're aware that there may be a paradigm shift occurring, and they may call you on and go like, "What are you trying to do here?" But uh, but yeah, practice definitely. Is, isn't practice. that a good point? That's a good point. Yeah, we actually. Uh, to, to kind of tie it back to our Retway Insiders, we did ask a question of our people and said, uh, or the question was, does your shop offer leadership training to managers? 38% said yes, 24% said no, and 38% said unsure. So that, you know, when, when we talk to shops about career paths and career pathing, this should not be an unsure type of question, right? Or this, this shouldn't be something that is, uh, you know, even if you're a technician or you're on the lube rack and you have aspirations to be a service advisor, service manager, fixed ops director, you know, whatever it might be, maybe shop owner, uh, you want to know that there's some level of progression. I think younger people especially want that, that understanding that, hey, you know what, you're going to take care of me on the training side. Uh, training is becoming, especially with technicians, as important as pay. I mean, it is it is really, really vital to these people that they continue to grow. And if you're not doing it, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I actually had, I had a service manager from a dealership reach out to me a few days ago and asked about best retention strategies. And, and his framing of it was more in the pay side, but to me, it was sitting down with each tech and understanding where they're at, what training they want, uh, you know, what what they, you know, what their aspirations are. Maybe that B tech wants to be an advanced diagnostic tech at some point, and they have the capability. You just got to get them trained, or maybe they don't have the capability, and you have to have that talk with them about, okay, maybe we should try your path a different direction. Um, but I, I think, to me, over it's probably two thirds saying that they know, or they're unsure. Uh, it, it's indicative of our, of our industry, right? Like where it's, we, we don't have clarity in a lot of this. It, it, you, you um, have asked a couple of questions in there and I'm, I'm going to attempt to frame this all properly in, in, in one answer. <laughs> uh, the, the, the first, the first bit is, you know, if you're, if you, if you, you know, your manager isn't taking training and they, they're, they're bad. <laughs> well, then we, you, you obviously have a problem. If you're unsure, then that could be a bit of a problem too. I mean, th- there are professional certifications and designations out there for technicians that, that are expected, uh, usually anyway, uh, like ASE and such. Um, if, you, if you're performing any type of, of HVAC service, well, you'd better be certified. Um, and, and it could be said the same for even a service advisor, right? I mean, there are ASE certifications out there that, that, that show that you've at least certified, you've taken the steps to, to be known as someone who's trained as a service advisor or understands the steps. And the same can be for managers too. There, there are professional accreditations and certifications out there for managers. A- AMI has got the, uh, the accredited automotive manager, the AAM, and the master designation as well, if you want to put the time in for it. So having a certificate or, or a designation, diploma, whatever you want to call it on your wall, th- there's nothing wrong with that as a manager, nothing wrong with it. I, I took a ton of training um, in, a, in a, in a former life with that OE and, and, and it helped <laughs> me greatly. I mean, it was, it, eventually it became where, you know, okay, I've heard this before, blah, blah, blah. You know, the leadership principles really haven't changed since the time uh, uh, that, that, um, Ah, I won't go into history, but anyway, it, it leading people is this, it's, it's the same. Once you learn the principles, it's the same. I mean, th- there are little nuances that, that, that we discover as the science of it evolves, but um, it's the same. Um, the second piece to that uh, has to do with, with training as a tool, right. Uh, for retention. And, and back in that, that former life, I was just referring to um, data analytics was a big part of my job uh, and it had to do directly with technicians and being in the training industry, it's like, what's what's the value of training? What's the value of training to a technician, uh, to the store, to the, the the brand? And and the one that that stuck for me is, I think I think the percentage was right around forty uh, percent. Um, you had a forty percent better retention rate by training a technician by sending a tech to training. Forty percent—that's all you got to do. That's insane. Just send to training. And it's like hey, you're building loyalty. You're saying, "Hey, I, I want to invest some time and some money in you as as a human being, as a as an employee, whatever." And and the reward is you get to keep them. 
hello, you know, it, it, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it goes for managers. It goes for any, any type of staff, right? Even maybe an accountant wants more or your bookkeeper wants more training on uh, the, a better way to, to keep the books, you know, like, I, I just think there's so much value in training and learning to do it the right way. And even for somebody that went to tech school or maybe went to a four-year school, uh, to, to freshen up those skills is, is vital. Like you, you can't just expect that you're going to remember things from 20 years ago that you haven't applied or used in 19 of those 20 years, uh, to, to use it efficiently. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've, I've had mentors that have, have forgotten more than I'll ever know. Um, that that's, that's for sure. And it, Same. It, it's, it's nice when you find a, a training provider that actually will, will give you access uh, to training that you've already taken if you need to, if you need it um, just as a refresher, because they, again, uh, we talked about the, the, the tech school advance, uh, example where, you know, a, a technician takes controller area network diagnostics, and then they're put in a lubrac for, for a year. And then it's, you know, it's a simple maintenance, you know, brakes, wheels, tires, and, and then they actually get in a, a controller area network, a can problem. And they go, uh, I don't remember, but if they have access to the training to go back and refresh, that makes a huge difference. It really does. It really does. My, uh, I think as we're getting closer to, to, uh, closing out this podcast, I've got a couple more questions for you that the first being, how important is it to kind of self-reflect on, on your skills and maybe what you're, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I I asked that as kind of a follow-up to something earlier in our conversation where, you know, understanding what you're weak at and being able to get help in that area, whether it's through training or maybe through, uh, other staff that might be good at something that you're not, uh, you know, from a management perspective, uh, do you, do you see importance there? Uh, I, I think it's obviously important, but, uh, you know, how important is it to, to sit back and say, okay, you know what, maybe I'm not so great at this part. Mm, huge. So self-reflection, um, is, is a difficult skill to acquire, uh, but it's, it's a necessity if you want to improve and be better at what you do. It doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter what your, your position is. Um, I think that there are a lot of tools out there that help with that, um, like, like the, for, for example, a leadership questionnaire. Um, find, find the gaps and, and work to strengthen them. We're, we're never going to be perfect at everything, uh, and I know a lot of people strive for perfection, and that's, that's a wonderful goal. Uh, it can drive you crazy, but it's a wonderful goal. Um, but you don't have to be perfect at everything, uh, but you can be good at a lot of things. Don't, don't, don't sacrifice something, uh, in the sake of perfection when it's good already. Right. Uh, right. so uh, I think there's an adage that says, you know, it's, it's a good day if you've learned something and, and in self-reflection, uh, or by using tools that are available, you can, you can find something that you can learn every day if you want. And that's, that's huge. That's huge. And it is okay to not be good at everything. Like, I think that's, Absolutely. you know, I think some people beat themselves up too much because they're like, oh man, you know, like I, I thought I was really good at this, but I'm not. And then, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it, it kind of uh, makes them not want to do that thing or that task because they think they're, they're bad at it. But um, you know, there is help out there to, to help you either get better um, at, or find, find ways to get around it, you know? Sure. And one of the best ways you can, you can do that is leveraging your team. I mean, let's, let's, let's say you're a, you're, you're a shop owner and you're just horrible at dispatch. Well, you might have a technician that's been at it a while. That's really good at, at skills assessment and understands that, that the techs down the row are good at particular things and is great with dispatch. So, I mean, there's strength in, in the team. There's definitely strength in the team. Yeah. And that's very much a take a step back that working on the business rather than in the business and, and kind mm-hmm. of being able to, put the puzzle pieces where everything fits. I think in uh, good to great, they talk about getting the right people on the right seats on the bus. And, uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes those seats change based on strengths a little bit, uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's, that's something that uh, a lot of new managers I think could learn, um, you know, when they get in, you don't have to be great at everything. Make sure you understand what you are great at and leverage that, but then also understand what you're not so great at. I say it all the time with our staff is that, you know, if there's something that I know I'm not good at, I'll, I'll flat out say, hey, you know what? I suck at this. Who else is good at it? <laughs> let's let's try to figure out a way around it. Um, so I, I think there's uh, 
there's there's some value to being vulnerable uh, in in scenarios like that. Absolutely, and that's a skill too. Um, learning how to how to share that vulnerability without you know being an absolute sucker, right? Or, yeah. or at least appearing like you're an absolute sucker. There, there, there's an art to it, but uh, but it can be learned. It certainly can be learned. There really is. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask you is, uh, as we've got shops out there, or even somebody on a personal level that really wants to look at leadership training, management training. And there's some expense to it, right? It's, I think, inevitable that you're going to pay for training. Is there a good way to measure ROI on training? And, and more so than just like the general pulse of, hey, you know what, we've, it, we've retained our technicians because we've trained them. We've done, you know, um, our culture's gotten better because of training. Is there, are there true numbers behind it? Or is it more of, of uh, just kind of a long-term play where you're, you, you know you're going to get value out of it. You just don't know what that numeric value is. Uh, boy, you, I think you've actually answered your own question. Um, really, <laughs> n- number one, yeah, n- num- number one is is if you do an employee survey, if you're a big corporation, then then you can measure the happiness level of of your employees. But but if you're in a shop environment, I think that the, the biggest one's probably going to be retention, um, especially yeah. with technicians. It'll be retention. Um, I, I think uh, there's also a personal barometer too, uh, where if you know you're doing the right thing, it's it's so easier uh, or so much easier to lay your head down at night and and just go, yeah, I did a good job today. Uh, but but really, when it comes to analytics, uh, retention's a big one um, for for management. Uh, and and if if you're a company that does internal surveys on I- employee levels of satisfaction, I'm I'm sure you, you you'd see an Im- increase if you're applying the steps that you've learned. Um, Obviously, for technical training, uh, if if you get into that realm, uh, then then you're looking at at is the vehicle fixed right the first time, uh, speed of repair, and and so on. Um, with 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 management training and people skills, it can get a little fuzzy. It can get a little fuzzy. Uh, are there ways to track it? Yes, but you have to have the right analytics tools in place to do it. Yes, yes, and I think that's those again going back to those one-on-one conversations and if if uh, you're an owner of a shop or a fixed ops director having those um, those conversations with a manager so they know what the barometer is and and like how how uh, how am I being measured right and I think you know as you're as you're adding skills to them at, you know your your expectations as a you know as their leader, is that you want them to grow. And if there's, you know, if there are values that you can put on it or goals that you can put on it, smart goals that you can put on it to be able to measure that along their, their way. Uh, so it's not always gut feel. I think that's good, but I do think a lot of it is just, you can tell from your conversations with the techs, how well they're being led. Uh, they'll, they're normally pretty boisterous on, if they don't feel like they're being led correctly. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been a part of a shop where they've been shy about saying uh, if they don't like how they're being managed. So, and mm-hmm. a lot of times they're telling the manager that directly. And, and if they don't feel like their, their word is getting home, then they go up and try to get their word somewhere else. And, and so I, I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot, but those personal relationships um, you know, even if you're an introvert, even if your personality isn't the most uh, outgoing where you want to be out and talking to people, to be an effective manager and be really, really good, you need to learn how to how to do that. And that's, you know, some of the tools and I'll give you a shameless plug because I think what you're doing at AMI is outstanding, but being able to look for opportunities to learn and get better are only going to help you. Like it, there, none of these classes, I guarantee you're going to walk away with things that are, are uh, very impactful to you. AMI kind of helps point you in the right directions. And, um, and so I, uh, I love what you're doing in AMI. Um, I, I think before we, before we drop off, I do want to have you explain a little bit more about AMI just in terms of uh, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find AMI? I, we talked about the website. I think that the website is a great resource for those of you that want to learn more. Um, but uh, but maybe give us a little plug for for AMI in general, Chuck. Okay, um, thanks, Jay. 
Yeah. So at, at, at the Automotive Management Institute, AMI, uh, we provide uh, training to the industry, oftentimes through scholarships. So as a nonprofit, um, we actually have companies and businesses that, that will, will donate, and we turn that around in the way of scholarships for the industry. Um, and most of our training is soft skill. Uh, it's, it's management type, but there, there, there are things that get a little more uh, technical. Um, there, there are things for, for estimators, uh, collision photography, for example. There are some courses in there that have to do with, uh, with Fiat Chrysler's ADAS system and, and so on. Um, but the best way to get in touch with us is to head to amionline.org. And, and you can learn about us uh, and what we're about. And then that in turn can link out to our learning management system, which is where all of our online training is held. Um, oftentimes, if you attend a trade show, um, if, if you're out there at a conference, there will be training that actually is AMI accredited. And in that case, you can actually upload that as an elective credit towards getting a, a, a higher level of accreditation like that AAM we talked about earlier. So we are here yeah. to serve the industry. We love it. Yes, and we love we love what you guys do. Uh, very very impressive. Uh, I've as I said at the top, really enjoyed getting to know you and and uh, respect what you do throughout the industry. So uh, we'll have to have you on again. I, I guarantee there were a couple things that we talked about that we could do entire podcast episodes about. Uh, so we'll try to dive back into those, get you back on the show, and and, uh, and talk more about those down the road if if you're willing. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jay. Thank you, Chuck.